Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters Podcast. It's episode 102, and your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know both about the housing market and the broader economy. My name is Jordan Levine, and I'm the Vice President Deputy, or actually, I'm the Chief Economist now uh, at the California Association of Realtors, but we do have our Deputy Chief Economist with us as well, Oscar Way. How you doing, Oscar? Hey, Jordan. Good. Don't take my title away. I didn't mean to usurp <laughs> you there. I apologize. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, how's everything? It's good. We have so much news that's come out. It was relatively quiet over the holidays. I didn't take much time off, but I know our members uh, had a relatively quiet uh, kind of holiday season with transactions being what they were. And in fact, we have a new report out um, for the kind of year end closeout numbers that we just put out for December. So I want to make sure that we talk through those and mm-hmm. give our members a sense of just kind of what's going on with sales, with prices competitiveness. And then I think we should probably move on to, um, you know, what the future might hold. And I think to do that, it always helps to just look through the broader economy, because we've seen some new data on inflation. We have um, some upcoming Fed meetings as we get into February, right? And of course, this mm-hmm. is all um, going to matter when it comes to mortgage rates. And and I think um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit just about, um, you know, whether we're still on track for a modest recession or if we've changed anything dramatically in terms of our outlook, um, because we also have the new GDP data. So I think if we talk through that, talk about some of the components and what's going on with new construction and with consumers, um, then we'll be able to kind of provide a nice little recap for where we see things going, not just in the spring home buying season, which we're kind of um, already quickly approaching, um, but also what we think is going to happen for the the last you know half of the year. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. It's only the third week of the year, and it seems like you know we have a lot going on, and a lot of things have already reported. Uh, so it's good to start up the year with a lot of information, a lot of good information, hopefully, you know, for you know our listeners. And let's start off with, you know, the uh, the December's report, which is kind of wrap up for your know, year 2022. Now, you know, just based on those numbers, you may not think that it's, you know, uh, it's the most exciting report. But there's there's some, you know, a glimpse of hopes from that report as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to kind of dissect this, right, because when we put out these reports, the media in particular, I think, is is prone to just grab the headline numbers, right? They're not eager to comb through all the data and to really understand. They want to grab those top line um, numbers, which were still uh, pretty discouraging, right? If you look at the transaction numbers, we were still down almost 45% on a year-to-year basis. That means we had 45% or so fewer transactions than we had at the end of 2021, which means that the level of transactions now has been below 300,000, I think, for three months in a row. And we're, we're kind of still in that 240,000 range. Is that the end of the story or what's going on with that number? Well, you're right. You know, we need to talk a little bit more about, you know, those numbers, it, you know, just the numbers themselves. Yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty discouraging, you know, because we have, you know, as, as you said, Third month of sales below 300, and in fact, you know the second month, you know with uh, under 250. Now, just to remi- remember, though, you know in November we hit a number that is probably the lowest. That was the lowest 
going back to uh, the uh, Great Recession's level. Right. Uh, and but on a month-to-month basis, you know, there's you know just a glimpse of hope because you're seeing you know, the bottom. We might actually hit the bottom already in November because we started seeing you know some inch up. Now, don't take me wrong. This is not a significant jump. Right. It's just a slight you know increase from uh, two thirty-seven, two thirty-eight thousand to two forty. So it's just a slight increase. But also, you know, what's encouraging is that you know when we look at the pending sales number. Things seems to be still down from a year ago, but seems to be moving along. And it looks like, you know, if if things are actually uh, stabilizing a little bit with interest rates, we might actually continue to improve, you know, in the upcoming months. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's safe to say, of course, sales level, uh, it is, a, uh, we're, we are seeing some impact in all price ranges. Yes. You know, in the lower price ranges, in fact, you know, the lower price range seems to be actually doing a little bit better. Now, of course, part of it is because they start off with a low level anyway, right. to start off with. But of course, the high end home sales, I think uh, some of the impact uh, could be uh, attributed to things like, you know, the tech layoffs, tech companies laying people off in the Bay Area. And of course, uh, we also are seeing the um you know some change in the mix of sales the bay area might be a little bit affected by the stock market fluctuations all those you know factors are affecting sales uh and and also affecting a little bit of price as well yeah definitely and i think you know just sticking with sales for a second you know it's not to say that the 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 1.1 percent increase where we actually closed more transactions in december than we did even in November. And so, yes, they're down, um, but they don't continue to get worse. And I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that means that we can kind of pop the champagne corks and say that we made it and the worst is fully behind us because we might still have a few um, tough months ahead of us. But what's most encouraging is that it's at least searching for that bottom, even if we're not there yet, right? We're kind of kicking around this kind of relatively low level, but it doesn't seem to be getting worse and worse. And for me, I think that's the kind of precursor to having things get slightly um, better. And and the other you know thing I wanted to piggyback on is just, you know, when you talked about the mix of sales, because that I think is playing a, a significant role in what we see happening on the price front, because you right. already kind of mentioned that we've had now two months in a row where the median price is down on a year to year basis. It wasn't down that much. It was down by less than a percent in November. It was down by just quote unquote 2.8% um, in December. And, and of course, you know, again, when the newspaper covers this, right, they're covering the fact that those are down and it's the first time we've seen year to year declines in over a decade, a decade, a decade, I think, going all the <laughs> way back to uh, 2011, if I'm if I'm not wrong there. But I also think that, you know, a part of this is is because we had such explosive growth, as you mentioned, at the top end of the market when we were looking at transactions last year. And even in 2021, we saw, you know, the the one to two million, two to five, 10 million and up, everything pretty much above a million for all intents and purposes wasn't just growing, but it was growing significantly. And in some cases, doubling from where it had been before even um, the pandemic. And I, I just kind of 
I hate to be the, the kind of math nerd, but I think it's important for our members to understand what median prices actually are, right? Because when you look at a median price, we take all the transactions and you just lay them out on a line uh, with the lowest price you know, on one end and the highest price on the other. And the median is just that very middle um, transaction. And so what that means is that when we were selling all those $10 million homes in 2020, 2021, we had a big you know, concentration of transactions happened at the very top end. So when you go in and grab out that middle transaction, that automatically skews it higher. And in some ways, um, kind of exaggerated the amount of growth that we were experiencing on the way up, because it wasn't necessarily the home prices themselves were growing by, you know, for an individual home, were growing by 35, 40% um, on their own, but also kind of mixed into that was the fact that we were also selling a lot more expensive homes than we had been. And, and so as we're now kind of um, unwinding that explosive growth at the top end, it's also tending to exaggerate the downward pressure on prices. Did I kind of get that right? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, remember we had, you know, that 19, 20% increase last year or in 2021 and in 2020. And, you know, at that time, we didn't mention about mix of sales change also. We, we mentioned about, you know, again, median prices, uh, they could be because of higher sales in the high-end sectors. And that's exactly what happened, you know, when we wind down with uh, rates going up in the last year, year and a half or so. And plus, you know, you also mentioned about, you know, the mix of sales change, um, you know, because of what happened in the last couple of years. But also I want to mention uh, seasonality plays a role too. Usually at the end of the year, we do have some seasonal change. Typically at the end of the year, we, we do see some sales price wind down, but obviously not as much as what we have been observing. I mean, you can't say uh, that, you know, interest rates, uh, they do not play a role. Obviously, they do play a role uh, in you know, the cost of borrowing. That's why we're seeing you know, slower sales at the high end, as well as, you know, higher price sales as well. So I think we will continue to see um, some slowdown in, in price. Uh, as we move into the first few months of the year because of seasonality, because of higher uh, rates higher than a year ago. Uh, but yeah, definitely mix of sales make a difference in terms of uh, the home prices and the median price. You're totally, absolutely. And so, you know, and actually you see this, right? Because like the Bay Area continues to lead the price declines, right? But, but pretty much we're seeing them. Um, um, across the board. Well, it's really interesting when I dug into some of the data is like, if you look at the median price declines, they're about twice as bad as what they are on a per square foot basis. And so this kind of, again, just corroborates how how much, you know, what's transacting also matters for these numbers and, and kind of um, belies the argument that prices are plummeting or that we're on the cusp of a 2008 all over again. And, and one of the biggest kind of differentiators I think we had we have going for us compared to, well, it's both going for us and going against us, I guess, depending on whether we're talking about price <laughs> or sales, um, but it's housing supply, right? Because really right. what it took to get 40% price declines last time around was we were in at one point in 2007, I think, closing in on 18 months of supply. And you saw this huge sell-off of sellers trying to cash in at the top of the market, of you know, homeowners throwing their keys back to the bank and walking away with a lot of REOs and NODs and short sales. Um, and that's what really got prices coming down was that we um, had excess supply for one of the mm -hmm. first times ever, right? And, and when you look at the um, various measures of supply that we put out in our, in our monthly report, again, 
the headline number is, I think, the thing that folks grabbed onto because UII, our unsold inventory index, went from, you know, one and a half months or even less to almost three months. Um, and active listings, the number of homes that are actually, you know, up for sale on the MLS are also up by double digits and, and right. it's kind of um, on its very surface level, I think, gives ammunition to those people who say, oh, look, it's a sell off and inventories, you know, pouring onto the market. But when you actually dig in, you find out that that it's a more nuanced story than that. Yeah, there are more to it, as you said, you know, uh, first, you know, what you said earlier was right on that, you know, the there's a there's a positive side and there's a negative side of supply constraint. You know, the positive, the, the negative side, of course, is when you have supply constraint, uh, it affects, you know, the, um, the, the, the sales. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, when you, when you start seeing a little bit more, um, when you have supply constraint, then, you know, the, it will help uh, support price level. But go back to what you just said earlier on the survey, this is, it seems like, wow, active listing seems to be increasing quite a bit. Uh, by you know 40 50 60 percent but if you look at the actual level of active listings um yes the inventory level has gone up from 1.2 months ish or so to 2.7 months or so but look at it from the standpoint of what happens you know in the great recessions when we actually had a housing collapse as you said 18 months of inventory back Crazy. then it's very different. It's a, a collapse of uh, supply. It's a collapse of demand significantly, but also people, you know, dump their property on the market. This time around, it's a little different because we actually don't have. We actually have two point seven months of supply, but it's not inching up to five or six or seven months of supply, and that's the reason why we're increasing is because of housing demand. Remember, you know, we talked about uh, sales dropping by, by down by forty to forty five percent or so. Right. That's basically what's carried, you know, the inventory over to the next month. But if we look at the actual number of active listings being put on the market, it's actually a decline. Right. And a, and a significant one, right? Because we're right. talking about this is the number of how many sellers are putting their homes onto the market. How many sellers uh, or homeowners are getting out or moving or what have you. And again, they're not just down, they're down by double digits. And I right. think the carryover impact, you know, deserves repeating, which you laid out perfectly. But, you know, the only reason why there's more inventory today is because the homes are not selling as quickly. And so when we come into January, we brought more unsold December listings, you know, forward. And we actually saw about 15% fewer homes put onto the MLS. So again, right. there's more inventory, but nothing in that number suggests that there's a major sell-off or that inventory um, will be skyrocketing. This is purely a function of reduced demand, meaning that those homes are taking longer to sell, sell and therefore are staying on the MLS longer as active as active listings. And so I think through that lens and also just through the Freddie, Freddie Mac data that we looked at, like I don't expect sellers- right to come rushing back, right? Because we're talking about 85 or so percent of homeowners, uh, at least the ones that have mortgages backed by Freddie Mac are in mortgages that are below 4%. And so even though rates are are down from, you know, over 7% at one point last year to now in the low sixes, there's still a huge disincentive for somebody to move 
who is sitting on a 3% rate or a 2.65 or what have you. And so I think that um, when you kind of look at it through that lens, it doesn't seem to me that we have the ingredients for an 18 month supply kind of environment that we had um, going back in time. In fact, I, I worry that um, low rates are gonna be the thing that really constrains sales from bouncing right. back as quickly as the economy will, right? Because even if we get the economy back, uh, in check and the folks are seeing their income start to rise again and prices are more manageable and things like that, you're going to be reluctant to leave your sweetheart um, mortgage rate. And so I think it's both the thing, like I said, that we have going for us, right? Because you can't have major price declines in an environment where supply is still very tight. Um, and, and, but also I think it's going to mean that, you know, the level of transactions is going to be relatively subdued as, as we move forward. Yeah, I think we do need to have um, you know, either, either rates going down a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. for people to willing to put their house up on the market for sale, or of course, you know, builders, developers started building a lot of houses, but obviously, you know, from the standpoint of making a profit, they're most likely not going to build a lot of single family homes this year. That's the, uh, the, the, uh, cruel reality that builders are not probably not going to build a whole lot of that. Maybe a lot of multifamily homes this year. So, you know, it's it's it. Even though we do expect sales to slowly improve, I mean, of course, it's not going to jump all the way back to what we want us to see. You know, over three three hundred fifty thousand, you know, overnight or you know, in just a matter of a few months. I mean, it's going to be a slight improvement over time, but uh, you know, it's it's going to be uh, with us for a little bit longer. No, I agree. And I think you said it just right. Like it'll start to slowly improve, but just emphasis on the slowly. Um, piece. What about good news, right? Because I'm I'm relatively <laughs> encouraged, actually, by some of the macroeconomic data, especially as it relates to um, interest rates, right? Because the the inflation numbers continue to trend down, and and you know we've seen that kind of become a trend, right? It's been fairly consistent, such that the most recent data is down near six percent after having peaked at you know over nine percent back last summer. Yeah, and it's not just one report. I think inflation has been, and I, I mentioned that in my outreach, just, um, you know, two years ago, three years ago, you know, people ask us about inflation. What's going on with inflation? You know, uh, what, 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 what can we expect? But uh, today, everyone becomes an expert in inflation, right? From the news, from right. what they hear from. Not the no news. choice, exactly. <laughs> right, and and inflation, as you said, you know, I think it's encouraging in a sense that. Um, I think we're seeing not just in one single report, but multiple reports, different reports, that inflation seems to be coming back down or taming down a little bit. You know, of course, right now we're still looking at six and a half percent of inflation. It's not two, two and a half percent that we saw three, four years ago, but it's definitely has come down from that 9.1 percent that was recorded a few months ago, five or six months ago. Coming, it's and it's down partly because of you know, gas prices coming down, grocery prices actually uh, have been growing at a the slowest pace since March 2021. So we're seeing, you know, overall, you know, things are slowing down a, a little bit. And of course, you know, from the from some of the labor market, the job reports, we noticed that uh, wage growth still growing at, you know, over 4%, 4.6%, in fact, uh, but uh, definitely has been slowing down compared to yeah, months ago. Absolutely, 100%. And, and, you know, unfortunately, I already sold my big diesel truck just as prices for gas <laughs> and things like that. 
um, start to come down. And so maybe I, I have a bit of a self-inflicted wound there, but from a macroeconomic standpoint, you know, I think it's, it's positive because even as we kind of expect the Fed to um, continue with some, some additional rate hikes before it's all um, said and done, I, I do think that we will continue to uh, move in the right direction. But what do you think about the, the Fed, right? Because again, you said it's kind of relatively broad-based across categories and things like that. It's been fairly consistent um, over time. And, and I just continue to read articles. Like it used to just be one article, but now I've seen like four or five articles over the last couple of weeks that say, yes, we've broken the back of inflation. Rates have gone from seven to 6%. We're past peak rates. Um, and, and kind of, I feel like the market in some ways is maybe getting ahead of itself because we have like direct <laughs> explicit guidance from the Fed saying that even as it we're past peak inflation, they're not going to start cutting rates. And in fact, we'll probably raise rates a few more times before we get to the end of this thing, right? I think you're right. I think so. And 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 people do get can tend to get ahead of themselves, especially, you know, people in the financial market, they tend to believe, well, when it's uh when you have a little bit of positive news, they tend to be, you know, too positive sometimes. <laughs> you know, their optimism tends to go up. Uh, up the roof, kind of constantly swinging from like denial to hysteria <laughs> and back and forth all the time. Well, that's why we have some volatility in the financial market. But you know, as you mentioned, I think uh, encouraging news about inflation that's great. You know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the Federal Reserve they are not going to continue to raise rates. In fact, I think yeah, most people believe that they are going to continue to raise rates. The the question is, of course, how aggressive they are going to be in the upcoming meeting in February. The first day of February, um, a lot of people, I think two or a month ago, or a few weeks ago, before some of those reports came out earlier on inflation, uh, some people still believe that, you know, they will raise rates by 50 basis point. Now, right. there's still a, a chance that they will raise it by 50 basis point. But I believe, you know, based on some of the uh, future um, market predictions, bond market prediction, uh, seems like a lot of people believe that they are going to raise rates only by 25 basis point in February. Uh, maybe another 25 basis point in March. What do you think? I am glad to hear that in a way because it's less aggressive than what was the original um, expectation. And uh -huh. also because that's kind of, I've been making a more conservative trajectory for the Fed into my presentations and things like that, only showing 25 basis points. So um, just selfishly, I like that the, you know, these odds makers are kind of backing me up on that and but you know again i think we should still at least expect some increase because you know yes six percent is a lot better than nine percent um mm -hmm. but it's still about three times higher than where they want it to be and so right you know, they might not have to go as hog wild i think is the technical term that they've been um going up to this point but i still think there's going to be um uh, you know some months and quarters at the very least before we see them even consider uh, making any rate cuts and i think that is the kind of thing that that means that we'll probably still see rates remain um relatively high again we're in that low six percent range right now mm -hmm. um, and if you look at the daily numbers they remain um, relatively low. And I think this is a huge opportunity for buyers in the context of a bond market where, you know, um, short-term rates are still a lot higher than long-term rates, meaning that we could see mortgage rates potentially go back up 
um, before they they start coming down for good, right? Because again, the inflation number is still relatively high, and and just going from seven to six percent means I think that you know um, buyers are saving a lot of money by buying today versus even just what they would have seen you know a month or so ago. Yeah, I think we still have, you know, the six and a half percent. Again, it's, uh, you know, uh, encouraging to see it has come down, you know, from the nine percent, but it's not going to go away, you know, overnight. Uh, in fact, you know, I think uh, uh, over the course of the next 12 months or so, we will continue to see some slowdown, uh, but uh, don't expect uh, rates to go down from six and a half to all of a sudden five, three yeah. and two. It's, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, somebody um, asked me the other day when I thought rates were going to be back down at three percent. I didn't know how to respond. So, <laughs> well, and 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 you're right. You know, we we are. Prob I mean, as far as mortgage rates are concerned, we're not going to see. Well, let's be clear. We're not going to see what those three percent or three and a half or maybe even four percent. You know, those are three percent for sure. Those are historical low. We haven't seen like three percent for years and years. Right. Um. Uh, in 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 fact, you know, I think the average over the last thirty years, forty years, for uh, average thirty year fixed rate is somewhere around six and a half to seven percent. Right. So um, actually, rates where they are now are below the historic average of where rates normally are. And I guess the best response to when are rates going to be three percent <laughs> again, I would just say, um, outside of the worst pandemic that we've had in modern history, we never saw rates that low before. Um, and and so again, I think that kind of gives some guidance about when we might see them uh, in the future. Or you can you can ask the question back and say, hey, are you referring to a ten year rate, or are you talking about a thirty year or a five year? Because that put things in a context. Maybe a ten year could go down to three <laughs> at some point, but maybe not a thirty year fixed rate uh, uh, soon. But you're, I think I think it's true that you know we are seeing you know rates uh, as, uh, below let's say six twenty six twenty five right now, and I I think you said it right. There's a chance that it will bounce back, uh, and I think there's a good chance that it could bounce back to six fifty. Um, I don't know whether it's going to go back up to seven, but you know it could go back to six fifty just because of let's say you know we have some one month of inflation rate you know flaring up for whatever reason. You know that could prompt bond uh, buyers, uh, people in the bond market, to uh, to inch up rates. You know for whatever reason. Um, so you know don't expect rates to all of a sudden go back all the way back to sit below six or five and a half all of a sudden. I think we will have a little bit more time staying at this level uh, uh, before we get down to below uh, to a low level. Um, and part of the reason why I think you know the rates could actually um, slow down a little further a later part of this year is because of the economy right um we just released the uh, we just uh, saw a, a report out on the fourth quarter gdp and that number seems encouraging but the question is whether that number will continue on in the upcoming month or upcoming quarter um let me just throw out some numbers and and, and see what your thoughts are the GDP number actually was pretty decent. It's actually increased by 2.9% in the fourth quarter. Now, compared to the previous quarter, the previous quarter was 3.2. So it's decent, you know, for the last couple quarters. Uh, and there are some things uh, like, you know, consumer spending um, at still increasing by 2% or 2.1%, but it's actually seeing some weakening. 
um, especially when you take into account some of the retail sales number. I think some of the retail sales number without accounting for inflation that actually dropped in December on a 1.1% decline. Uh, and then, of course, fixed spending also declined a little bit, or fixed investment spending also declined. And, of course, for us in the housing industry, uh, it's not a surprise that residential fixed investment also declined quite dramatically by about uh, 25, 26% or so. So is that a good report or what, what, what do you make out of it? Uh, I'm going to be a two-handed economist, I think, because <laughs> on the one hand, I think it's it's a good number, right? It's actually better, I think, than what people expected it to be. Um, consumers, which is pretty much our one and only engine of economic growth right now, um, was still firing, right? And even with the inflation and all of that stuff, in real terms, consumers were still spending. They spent, you know, they were less a driver of growth than they have been. And we've been seeing that trend down um, fairly consistently, but, you know, almost 3% growth, that's pretty much bang on um, historic averages, right? So even after the big bounce back for us to be maintaining 3% growth in real terms is a pretty solid um, number. The inflation numbers that come out of GDP, right? And I know, you know, those of us that are kind of econ nerds, we always track like 10 different measures <laughs> of inflation. And, and the, you know, biggest kind of most popular one is the CPI. But the one the Fed cares most about, I think, is the, the PCE deflator. And that comes out of this GDP report as well. And similar to what we saw in the monthly consumer price index, those numbers are trending down and actually um, doing pretty pretty good. And so I think those are all the kind of positive signs. But I think within this exact same report, there's also reason to, you know, have pause about the next couple of quarters, because it also just underscores that consumers really are the one and only engine of economic growth that we have right now, because, you know, yes, GDP was up almost 3%, but if it wasn't for consumers, we would have been uh, much worse off because businesses are not investing. You don't have builders out there building homes. You don't have, you know, businesses out there building new facilities and non-residential construction is also um, struggling. The rest of the world is a basket case and, and we're not able to export all of our stuff uh, abroad when they're suffering tough economic times. And so that was a potential, um, you know, kind of backup plan for the economy that's that's going to be or an avenue that's more um, shut down as, as challenges continue um, abroad. And of course, when you look at consumers themselves, there's, um, you know, a lot of evidence that the momentum is not going to be able to be maintained through the first couple of quarters of this year. And I think most um, important of that is is the retail sales number, right? Because we've seen those mm -hmm. continue to um, deteriorate and actually have been negative. Yeah, and and you're right. The retail sales is a reflection of what's going on, you know, with consumer spending. Uh, but we should also take into account that some of the uh, what's going on with the market right now and the labor market, I should be specific, mm, yeah. uh, has not has not been factored in. Now, for example, you know, we have been hearing, you know, some of the higher profile companies like you know Microsoft, Google, and Facebook, they're laying people off. So the tech companies are laying people off, but you know the not as high profile. Some of the other companies are not tech companies. They're also laying people off. Right. Now, those may not have been factored in with many people actually losing their jobs. Obviously, the job market is still okay, you know, as of uh, uh, December, but I think we will see some slowdown 
And that's going to trickle into, you know, uh, consumer spending for sure, because that's, you know, that's where, you know, consumers get their money. But the other part of it is uh, on uh, when we look at, you know, the interest rates, you know, from the housing market's perspective, we know, OK, one, you know, interest rate goes up, you know, people are not going to buy, you know, as high a home and they're going to pull back on uh, uh, on their demand. But you can say apply that same logic to any kind of spending. You know, when you are when when consumers are so used to using their credit cards, all of a sudden their credit cards expense uh, costs of using their credit cards actually have gone up by two, three, four percent. They're going to pull back on their spending as well. So consumer spending, you know, in the next couple of quarters, as you mentioned, probably will be will pull back and we're going to see some slowdown in those consumer spending. So overall, you know. Business spending, business investments are not spending as much, and consumers are slowing down. Then uh, we can foresee that the next couple of quarters to be a, a, a slow uh, quarters. Whether we're going to recessions in second or third quarter, that's of course still up uh, in debate. Uh, but then uh, for sure, we're going to see some slowdown. Right, and I think you know when you look at the underlying kind of engines of growth, there's a couple for for consumers, right? Because on the one hand, they have um, their incomes, as you mentioned, which you know may or may not um, hold up at these kind of accelerated rates of growth that we've seen up to this point. Um, but they've also been fueling their spending with credit cards and savings, and and those are are quickly kind of drying up as as sources for ongoing growth, just because balances are getting high again, savings rates are getting low again, and and so I think. You you're right when we get into those, um, you know, those kind of first couple of quarters worth of data that it's not going to look as good as it's looked up to this point. And again, when you think about the other um, aspects of the economy too, right? Like builders don't seem poised. I mean, builders are very hyper-focused on the short run, right? Because you build the house, you don't want it sitting on your balance sheet for uh, months and months and months as the market is in the midst of a shift and and so they are likely to pull back and and consumers although um you know have been kind of keeping pace are are not as um not as confident as they have been up to this point yeah i think you know when you look at the level of confidence you know both builders and consumers they're down uh if you look at you know the you know, we're looking for that you know of course a glimpse of hopes obviously we're seeing a little bit of a bounce back uh, on the housing sentiment, for example, yeah. buyers and sellers, even though they're still at a very low level. Don't take me wrong. It's still at, they're still at a very low level. Uh, but the recent you know, movement in interest rates might have actually uh, lift their spirit up a little bit. You know, just like the sales level, I'm not going to say that we are, you know, going back all the way. But, you know, we're seeing a little bit of hope uh, for both buyers and sellers. Uh, and, you know, builders and developers, uh, they are also seeing slight glimpses of hope. They're not going to build a whole lot, as I mentioned earlier, right. uh, but uh, they're seeing, you know, interest rates as a uh, interest rates being stabilizing as a sign of, you know, things getting a little bit better. So um, the, uh, even though, you know, their confidence you know, are actually at a low level, I think, you know, as we move through the year, we may actually see some improvement in terms of their confidence. Uh, still way below, you know, what we were at, you know, uh, a few months or a year ago. Uh, but we're seeing this, like the theme of this uh, this episode, you know, things are checking along a little bit, but at a very slow pace. Right. 
Yeah, totally. hundred percent. And so, you know, again, I think that, you know, at, and ultimately from a long run standpoint, right, the demand for housing is there. We're a country of 320 something million people or even higher than that, I think, in counting. And California still got 40 million people. So eventually mm-hmm. um, builders will come back to the market. There's nothing that's kind of deterred those long run um, fundamentals. But again, it's just, you know, they're, they're hypersensitive to the business cycle because they're going to have millions and billions of dollars worth of product potentially sitting on their books if they make a, a bad um, call. And I think that's going to keep them um, relatively cautious. Sellers as well are, are a little bit more, I think, or maybe they're less pessimistic. How, how, do, how would you characterize that? <laughs> well, you know, they, they, they are the one Sellers, obviously, they are not as concerned about buying. They're maybe a little bit more concerned about, okay, while well, selling their house, getting yeah, the their equity, price. and maybe yeah. move on to their next house. But if they, they actually, they, they probably have, um, can actually wait a little longer than some of the first-time buyers uh, because of, you know, the, the let's face it, you know, many of the uh, move-up buyers or move-down buyers, uh, they don't necessarily always have to move. They can wait a little longer. Uh, plus, you know, of course, they are dealing with both sides, the sell, the sell side and the buy side. So, you know, there is a little bit more, it, it gets a little bit more complex for them. So they, they hold off a little bit before moving. And that's why, you know, when we look at, you know, both the side buyers and the seller sentiments, um, we can try to predict, you know, what's going on with the upcoming year. Uh, with our outlook, uh, both prices and sales are going to decline. Uh, but do you think... Uh, you know, we do see some encouraging sign in the uh, uh, at the start of this year because of low interest rates. What do you think? You know, sales are going to uh, uh, look like you know in the next few months or so, um, despite the fact that we are actually seeing an overall year decline in, uh, in sales of uh, 2023. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, part of the decline that we're projecting for the annual number this year is just a function of how good the first half of the year um, last year was, right? It is mm-hmm. it's not that we're necessarily forecasting a major deterioration in transactions from where we were at the end of last year, right? But it's just a question of how quickly they're going to come back. And I, I, you know, I think that it's, there's, a chance that we could see sales that are, you know, roughly where they have been for the last couple of months, even through um, the first quarter. We know mortgage applications have been relatively lackluster. Mm-hmm. Pending sales aren't as bad as what they were the last couple of months, but they're still um, down. And so I think that we'll just kind of kick around this level that we've been at more or less for a few months. And then that the kind of rebound, if you can even characterize it as a rebound, will be very slow, both from the interest rate lock-in effect, the fact that prices won't come down to really get a lot of folks off the hook when it comes to paying capital gains or anything um, like that for these long-term homeowners and the low rates and things like that. And so, you know, the annual number, I think, in our projection is for us to, you know, fall again by another 7%, which would mean the annual number, I think, is somewhere in the 310 to 315 range for our kind of hard number. But if you, again, think back to the December numbers, we were at 240, right? And so that means that, again, we're going to have a couple months around where we are now, but it's not going to continue to get materially worse. It'll just take a long time um, for us to go back up, meaning that when we annualize up these numbers, even if the second half of the year uh, is better and we expect it to be better, um, that, that, you know, it's not going to be the kind of outsized growth that would take us back to into positive territory for the year um, as a whole, because we're just starting from such a depressed level. And even as it gradually starts to improve, as we get into the spring, 
um, it, you know, once you put all those 12 months together, it will result in the kind of 7% um, decline. And so again, I, I think the worst is, you know, we're either at the worst or maybe even slightly past the worst, but again, it's just a function of kind of keeping those belts tight and not, um, you know, rewarding ourselves and throwing it in cruise control and saying, yes, we made it past the worst. Now we can kind of ride the wave. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we, we mentioned it earlier also, it also has to, even though we are seeing some improvement, uh, ultimately it still comes down to, you know, the overall cost of borrowing. Part of the overall cost of borrowing is of course, interest rates. Interest rates will remain at a, you know, six, six and a half percent, somewhere between there. And then it could actually slow down a little bit later this year, but we'll, we'll have to see a continuous trend before we can say that it continued to go down. But the other part of the cost of borrowing uh, uh, element is, of course, prices. When we look at home prices, we know that in the first few months of the year, typically because of seasonality, we will see some slowdown in price. And we probably will continue to see some slowdown in price, not only because of seasonality, but let's face it, you know, last couple of months, we have been seeing some decline in price on a month to month basis. We probably will see some decline in price just because of, you know, the ongoing trend and also, you know, the uncertainty. So just be uh, prepared that, yes, in the first couple of months of the year, maybe even March, we will continue to see month to month decline. We'll probably will start seeing some month to month increase just again because of seasonality. Right. But uh, you know, I, I want to use what you mentioned earlier. You mentioned about sales being very strong last year uh, in the first half of last year. Uh, but remember, first half of last year, prices were very strong too. Right. And we actually yeah. set a nine hundred thousand median price at the state level. So don't be surprised if we actually start seeing continue to see year over year decline in price you know, as we move into the home buying season. Yeah, and I don't even think it's unrealistic to think we might see a couple of months during the spring of double digit declines in price, right? And that's why we have an overall eight per, uh, eight or I think it's 8.8%. 8 .8 8 8.8, yes. Yeah, decline in the median price. But again, that's why I kind of ran the risk of really nerding out on making sure we understand how those um, price numbers actually work, right? Because part of the decline that you're going to see later this year, if it gets to 10% or even, um, you know, something in that kind of neighborhood is also a function of just how high prices were Absolutely. last year. And, and again, those numbers were infected, quote unquote, by having so many sales at the very top end of the market. And so it's not necessarily, and again, I think if we probably did a, a per square foot forecast, we wouldn't see as big of a decline as what we're projecting, but we have baked into our model, um, this shift of sales back towards the middle a bit away from the edges um, in terms of price. And, and so, you know, yes, again, we don't want to downplay the fact that the, you know, we probably front loaded a lot of the next couple of years where the price growth into the last couple of years, we're up, I think over 30% since 2019. Um, and, and so prices will probably moderate a little bit, but again, it's, it's not as bad as what that headline number, um, would have you believe. And again, I think this is all the more reason why consumers need us more than ever, right? Absolutely. They need a realtor that understands these nuances and can help them step back and get that perspective, um, kind of help them cut through the noise of all of these very scary 
headlines to make a decision that's right for them. And it's not going to be right for every single person, you know, to go out and buy right now. But there are uh, a lot of scenarios that we can come up with where it makes sense to buy if you're in it for the long term, right? If you um, can find a house that you like with a seller who's willing to work with you or maybe, um, you know, buy your points down or to pay your closing costs or, um, you know, or you have a, a house that you like that you couldn't afford that now they've reduced prices on that, you know, yes, the interest rate story um, is a challenge, right? But there's also a lot of uh, other opportunities for buyers, especially buyers that are in it for the long term. And we see investors that are actually coming back into the market when everyone else has taken a step back. And, and so again, those folks that are focused on the long term recognize that prices in California usually only ever go one way because we've got so many people and not enough homes to put them in that yes, the business cycle causes sales and prices to go up and down. Um, but over the long run, prices you know always appreciate just because again, we have this fundamental imbalance um, between supply and demand. And of course, we see in the data that, you know, buying a home is the one and only path towards building wealth. And, and I think, you know, although the interest rates are up, there's also a lot of things that are working in favor um, of, of buyers that are up on their game. And so that's our kind of broad forecast. And, and as kind of pessimistic as the numbers might seem, I'm actually a lot more optimistic now than I was six months ago. Yeah. And I, and I think so too. And, you know, to, uh, kind of reiterate what you said, but also on the seller side, you know, the realtors obviously can provide a lot of uh, good advice to buyers, but for sellers as well, because sellers, you know, the uh, realtors can help them and to understand a little bit more about Prop 19, for example, Absolutely. to understand that, you know, this is maybe the time to uh, uh, to cash out, you know, to get their most equity gain that they have uh, accumulated in the last few years. But also, you know, all the other different things that, you know, sellers have to be um, remember, you know, before selling and, of course, to buy in their next home. So definitely realtors provide a lot of good advices uh, for both buyers and sellers. And this is actually the time that I think uh, consumer need us the most. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, the overall level of sales is going to be low, but the good realtors, I'm, I I don't have a huge concern about because people who are there to really help consumers during this time of uncertainty and market shift and all of that stuff are going to, again, not just be poised to make it through the next year, um, but are really going to come out of this stronger than ever. I And I truly um, believe that because this is really where we kind of earn our keep and and really demonstrate um, the value of, of why you use a realtor in the first place. You know, when things are going good and everything is easy, um, it might be, you know, easy to kind of overlook the contributions of your agent. But I think, you know, it's going to be a lot more tangible for those folks um, that are out there in the marketplace transacting. And so just keep those belts tight. Don't take it for granted. Again, um, be that market expert and that trusted advisor and grab onto your clients, whether they're buyers or sellers with both hands. And I think, again, if you do that, um, that is the recipe for success. Of course, we're going to continue to bring a lot more information as it comes. And we're going to let you know what the Fed does. We're going to let you know what's going on with the inflation data. And of course, um, anything that happens in the housing market will be front and center. And so uh, let us know if there's ways that we can help you out. We're putting out lots of good information on our website to hopefully facilitate um, you being that that trusted advisor and, and market expert. And again, as soon as uh, more information comes out, we'll make sure that you're uh, the first one to know. So uh, did we miss anything important, Oscar? I think we included everything that we could possibly get. But of course, uh, we always have timely information 
So keep in mind, uh, even though you might not have, you know, uh, there might be some news that comes out tomorrow, you will find a lot of stuff, you know, on our uh, CRI website, as well as on the uh, market data section. So definitely come back and check us out uh, from time to time. Absolutely. And thank you for that, uh, that self promotion. And thank you for always agreeing with me that we did a great job too. That always makes me feel good. <laughs> so, um, we'll go ahead and leave it there. That's our uh, kind of year end wrap for last year or a little preview for 2023. But again, we'll be back with you all very soon. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye-bye.